The following is a recording of Reverend Charlie Dupree at St. Paul's Episcopal Church on November 17th, 2019. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another and will be thrown down. They asked him, teacher, when will this be and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes. And in various places, famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. For I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls." The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Well, nothing says welcome to Sunday morning like a little apocalypse. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't want to get up early, have a cup of coffee, brush your teeth, come to church and hear about the end of human history? (laughs) Well, saints of St. Paul's, that's where we are today. We are at the temple. Jesus has entered the holy city of Jerusalem on his way to the crucifixion. And things are getting real. And the centerpiece of Jerusalem was, as it is today, the temple. And you've got to remember, the temple is huge. It is the largest, most dazzling, most amazing, most substantial structure imaginable. Biblical scholars estimate that even the exterior courtyard could hold 400,000 people. Not only was it large and impressive, it was also the residing place of God. So considering all of that, can you imagine the shock on Jesus hearers' faces when he says that it's going to be destroyed, that it will fall? What's this all about? 
The temple was their rock. It was their solid place, the place to which they journeyed. And Jesus is saying that not even this can hold. What gives? Well, the thing that often flies past us is that what we're looking at here is apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic literature is a particular genre with a very particular intention. And what is that intention? Well, I have to say that when I first saw this passage, I looked first and immediately at all of the other readings to see what else I might preach on. (laughs) And I asked myself, along with hundreds of other preachers in the Episcopal Church, what's the good news? But we have to remember, right, that it is good news. And that's the intention. For Luke's hearers, this was about hope. Hope. Hope in a future world, a world to come. Thy kingdom come. We say it every single Sunday. Now, keep in mind that Luke's audience was living under oppression. The temple, after all, was built by Herod. And it was a show of power over the Hebrew people and a symbol of his connection to Rome. So Luke's hearers would have known war. They would have known separation. They would have known what it was like to be ruled, owned, and dominated. And also around the time of Luke's writing, Mount Vesuvius had erupted. And this volcano in southern Italy would have sprayed ash and smoke to a height of 21 miles. And so I have to wonder if any of Luke's hearers would have seen that cloud of smoke or felt the influence of this natural disaster. Where am I going with this? The point that I believe Jesus is trying to make is that even when it looks like the world is falling apart, God holds. Even when things are tough and terrible, God is present and promises new life. Now, this is hard to get our brains around because I bet that each one of us is pretty happy with our lives. We don't know what it might be like to wish so badly for life to be different that even the end of human history would be better. For me, the closest I can get to comprehending this is to imagine those who were enslaved, forcibly brought to this country 400 years ago and owned by strangers. These enslaved mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers watched their families torn apart and their children sold right out from underneath them. Did they want to die? I'm sure not. But I'm sure they wanted an end to the way that life was. Did these enslaved people want the world to come to an end? I don't know. But I would be willing to bet money that they look to the horizon every single day for a different life. And Jesus promises this life.
this new life, this new way of being in the world. Our presiding bishop, Bishop Curry, likes to use this spiritual in his sermons. Walk together, children. Don't you get weary. Talk together, children. Don't you get weary. There's a great camp meeting in the promised land. Jesus promises a promised land. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I encountered this kind of writing, this kind of in-your-face proclamation, it makes me think about my own faith. It makes me think about my faith and if it's deep and solid or if it's shallow and fleeting. Because I have to admit that it's easy to believe when things are going well. It's easy to keep your faith intact when the sun is setting beautifully, when there's nothing pushing back against you and when your sheep are safely grazing. On the other hand, Our faith can be rattled, can it? When the odds are against us and when things get complicated, even dangerous, or when people are watching your every move. I think about the first time I ever went to Jerusalem. The spiritual bar was set very high for that trip. I expected mountaintop experience after mountaintop experience. I expected lambs and sheep and shepherds from my childhood coloring books. And I expected sunsets at Mount Sinai and babbling brooks and Easter lily fantasies. When I got to Jerusalem, I was disappointed. I remember calling Matthew on my first day and I was crying, literally. I didn't know what day it was and I was frightened. It wasn't what I expected. People with different skin colors speaking in a million different languages spun around me. They were rude, I thought. There was trash everywhere. The camel spit. (laughs) And the camel drivers had very little patience for my complaints about how the tiny wooden saddles did not fit my six-foot-tall American body. It's easy to stay faithful to God when being faithful to God is beautiful and picturesque. But what would I do when being faithful to God isn't necessarily what we imagine? The same thing happened much later in my ministry. Matthew and I would be called to ministry opportunities in Haiti. And we would travel to another place in which life was not easy, going to church even involved a moped, a full day of travel. You've been there too, probably. You've been to those places where your sugar-coated images of God dissolve. Part of our journey of faith, part of our journey of faith is about glimpsing God through the smoke, through the noise, through the confusion, through the chaos. And realizing that God is present and we are surprised when God shows herself in unlikely places. But God is always calling us to be awake in and to those places. The message of Jesus is that God comes through to God's people no matter what. 
true. It's hard for me personally and maybe for many of you to understand this kind of message that we hear today. But for Luke's listeners, it was a signal that life would be better. It would be more like heaven. Stay faithful, it says. Hang in there. Don't you get weary. For a new day is coming. A new creation is on the way. And the people ask, when? When? When's it going to happen, Jesus? Aren't we still asking that question? Aren't we still in need of that vision of the kingdom right here, right now? For the past three days, two delegates from St. Paul's and myself and other clergy gathered with our bishop and 450 other delegates at our diocesan convention in Arlington. Diocesan conventions happen once a year. Those exciting things. But that is the way we roll. That is the way decisions are made and change happens through resolutions. And there are a few themes at this convention. Themes that some might say point to the end times. Our church and our bishops are desperately trying to figure out what it means to be the church in the 21st century. When membership is declining. The word on the street is that mainline church as we know it is dying. But Bishop Susan Goff, our bishop for the time, has a reframe for that. A different way of thinking. The church is not dying, she says. It is changing. These are entirely different things. And I share Bishop Goff's opinion. It would be easy to paint a doom and gloom picture of the church, but we believe that God makes all things new. And our task of being church in this time is to imagine how we too can blend our traditions with new, relevant, imaginative ways of embodying Christ. We are called to look at church membership and invitation in creative ways. The church is not dying, but it is changing. There was another theme that spoke to me at our convention, and it had to do with creation care. How is our treatment or mistreatment of the earth affecting most particularly the vulnerable and the poor? Hurricanes and floods? The stuff of apocalypse? Maybe, but more likely, it's the stuff of climate change. How is the church responding? Well, our friend, the Reverend Melanie Mullen, was there. She spoke to convention on behalf of our presiding bishop, and the good news is that the Episcopal Church is beginning to be awake to this reality. She says that a, a study that she conducted shows that 70% of Episcopal churches nationwide are actively discussing climate change in their congregations. 70%. That's high. And she says that 93% of Episcopalians report that their own religious beliefs compel them to address climate change. 93%. I think that's great news. That we are awake 
and talking about these things. And there was another small step that took place at convention. The resolution was passed that asked congregations to discontinue the use of single-use plastics and foam products that are overtaking our oceans. And they encourage all congregations to begin to transition to reusable, compostable, and washable products. A little less convenient? Absolutely. But the right thing to do, and I plan to continue this conversation here. One more thing about this apocalyptic language. It can be hijacked. It can be taken by some Christians to strike fear and raise anxiety. And to be quite honest, I do believe that Jesus just might use this as a bit of a wake-up call. But it is not intended, in my opinion, to be a threat. It is a promise. A promise of hope. The promise of a new day. And the promise of a God who wants life to be better for all people. So it would be easy to focus on the negative for our glass to be half empty. After all, it does take work and effort to stay on board when things change or get hard. It can be inconvenient to change the course of a large moving ship. And it requires flexibility. But this is the work to which we have been called. To be a different kind of temple. My friends, the great temple of Jerusalem is now gone. But if you look around you this morning, you will see the temple rebuilt. And it's not about a structure. It's about you. And it's about me. And it's about being neighbor. It's about listening. And when we go to our celebration lunch after the service today, we will hear and see how being faithful, being stewards, being disciples is about a temple being rebuilt. And we're up for it, St. Paul's. We're up for it. We have the resources and the talent and the determination and the know-how and the very strong opinions <laughs> to get this work done. We have more than we need to be a part of God's vision and share God's blessing. So let's walk with each other. Don't, don't you get weary. Let's talk to each other. Don't you get weary. Let's sing with each other. Don't you get weary. There's a great promise in store for us all. So let's be on our way. Let's not leave anyone behind. And let's make it so.